Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Another edition of JMU Sports News. I'm Bennett Conlon, and I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. We just watched what was an incredible choke job by JMU men's basketball that turned out to be a win. Jack, what are I, your thoughts? I, um, that wasn't a win. Um, in every <laughs> part insane. of my body, I don't consider that a win. That was because it was out of his hands at zero. Like <laughs> the refs messed up. <laughs> The fact that Jay, oh we were crunching the numbers. God. The fact JMU had a 15 point lead at the under four timeout and they blew it and should have lost, that was absolutely, absolutely crazy. Not only that, Jack, JMU had given up 55 points <laughs> going into the under four media timeout. They gave up 78 with the buzzer beater being called off, which means that they were on pace. If they had kept the pace in the final four minutes for an entire game, they would have given up 230 points. That's unreal. That is so unreal. What was the problem, though? We were talking about it. Was it that they were in after the under four minute? Was it just that they were letting every single drive go through? Because I guess in the in the huddle, they were like, all right, guys, give up the point two second layup. But whatever you do, don't foul. And Wooden or Wooden, we want you out there. Yes, Julian Wooden. Not only do we want Wooden out there, we want you inbounding the ball and taking the free throws. We want you, freshman, to hold the entire weight of this game on your shoulders. I have no idea what they were doing, but they looked so good for the first 35 minutes. It's, <laughs> it's nice that it was called off and they got the win because they did. It felt like they deserved to win, but then you watch the final four minutes and you're like, oh, my God. Like what? What is going on? It didn't make any sense. Um, I would like to say I, I called know. that. You did, and I was like, "Man, don't <laughs> worry. I know they've scarred you in the past. But, like they're going to get this one done." And then they started like missing. I don't know what. I got to look up the free throw stats. I, they missed so many free throws in the final like four minutes. Well, on the game, they were nineteen of thirty-six. Bad. That's bad. They've been bad all year, which is surprising. But. There was one point in the game where I'm texting Bennett and I'm like, I don't know. I feel there's something in me that's saying that they're just going to be a letdown. And Banks hit the corner three, the back-to-back corner threes. Yeah. Or one three from the top of the key and then the corner. And you're just like, game, it's over. 
And at that point, they had built the 15-point They're up 15 with four minutes left. <laughs> and I was Who like – blows that? Uh, and they scored 10 points in the final four minutes, which is not that bad. Yeah, it actually, it really isn't. And to go along with the fact that they didn't hit any of their free throws in the final four minutes. Because there are 10 four-minute stretches over a basketball game, right? Because 40 minutes? Yeah. So you multiply whatever you score in the final four minutes by 10. So they were on pace in the last four minutes. They were on like 100-point-per-game pace. But they were allowing 230 points per game. Like, that was the pace they were playing defense at. So, like, they, it's not like their, their scoring was terrible. I mean, some of that is they're going to the free throw line, so there are more possessions than you'd normally have in a four-minute stretch. But good God. Okay. So, now what? This is game – that was game five, was it? Yeah, they're three and two. Three and two. What are – where – I don't. Need, I can't even think straight because of this game. But w- what is this team struggles? What is it about this team that has them teeter? All three of their oh, – they're two and two. Let's throw out Shenandoah. Their two losses are combined seven points. Two wins are by combined seven points. Their two losses are by a lot. What is it about this team? Where are they sh- – I just – you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting team. I also just looked up the pronunciation guide. There's nothing in there for Julian Wooden, so I, I have it's no wooden. idea in the world how they're saying Wooden. <laughs> the hell was that? Right. I like how anyway, this is sorry. your takeaway of the game. When what it, it was so annoying. They... I was like, why do they think this is that? So then I looked it up because I was like, oh, maybe they know something I don't. Nope, they're just being paid by – well, I guess it, it didn't seem like an ESPN3. It was like a local CBS broadcast, but it was terrible. Anyway. And then the graphics, they didn't even show points. They would just show, like, a player's – what they're doing okay. field goal-wise. I'm like, to, what the hell? I wanted to make sure I wasn't tripping on that because every time they show, like, oh. the player's <laughs> shooting percentage or, like, what he was Yeah, they're like, he's the five game. of seven from the floor. I'm like, I was like, do you want me to add really that cool. up? How many points does he have? <laughs> I'm not doing math right now. They give you, like, the free throws and the three-point shots. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Huh. Like an algebra class. Anyway, my takeaway, I have no idea because, like, they beat – Charlotte with a nice comeback win to start the year. And then they had, they played Virginia, which I don't count as like a real game because they're so much better than JMU. And then you've got Shenandoah, who's so much worse than JMU. So Mason and ODU to me were like the two tests. I thought they were bad against Mason. I thought getting Dwight Wilson back for stretches tonight was really helpful. Um, They looked a little bit better. I mean, I thought it was a promising victory. I just, (laughs) I think I had my thoughts 10 minutes ago. And then I had my thoughts after watching the end of that debacle, but they won. So I guess um, <laughs> they won. My issue with this team in the past is like they'll win a game like that, right? And then they never back it up. Like then last they'll year, lose four they, straight. Right, like last year they won a two in a row, and one of them was on the road against Hofstra, and then they had two games at home to close the year against bad teams, and they lost them both, and they looked terrible. So my thing is like, yeah, that was when they could good. have like been like the fourth seed in the yep. CAA tournament. Yep. It was like, all right, good win against Old Dominion today. I think this is positive. I thought Darius Banks was good. Uh, Zach Jacobs I've been really impressed with. Yeah. Matt Lewis did some some decent things. Deshaun Parker I really like. I've been adamant about that. But, like, you play New Hampshire on Saturday at home and then Coppin State and then East Carolina. you got to win two of those. Yeah. You, you should win the next together. two. You should go on a three-game win streak here. You should beat ODU, what you just did. So you should beat UNH and you should beat Coppin State. Like, Coppin State is – in the three hundreds, they're one of the worst teams in D one. Like you, you should be compensated. I know New Hampshire isn't much and better. East than Carolina that. is terrible. I'd see. I, yeah. So you, you in theory should come November thirty first. You should be riding a four game win streak. Yeah, but they're so, not going to. 
I mean, that's that's the main issue here is you, you look at this team, they're playing at home with a lot of winnable games, and they just <laughs> rarely win those games. So I still need to see it before I believe it. Um, I think Michael Christmas is a good freshman. Julian Wooden is a good <laughs> freshman as well. I'm still so mad. Like, how are you pronouncing it like that? <clears throat> Julian Wooden's a good freshman. They've got some good pieces. Like, my my main issues are that defensively, they, like, struggle to stop the ball. So someone yeah. drives into the lane. They get way too many easy layups. George Mason had so many times where they got in the lane, got easy layups, kicked out, nailed the three. I mean, they're yeah. just – the issue is, like, they're too reliant on hot shooting games. Like yeah. that's, that's sort of my issue. Like they shot 48% tonight and they shot over 50% from three. You shouldn't have to do that to win. Like you shouldn't have to outshoot the team so drastically. They shot 25% better from three to win. And they made 12 more free throws. I mean, ugh, you just, they make so many turnovers that are just like, they had 17 turnovers tonight. Old Dominion had nine. And most of the turnovers are just unforced boneheaded plays. And the players are too good to do that. They're too good to do that. So that's my issue is like they win a lot of games when they just get hot shooting the ball. I know the JMU sports blog guys talked about that on their podcast recently this Mm -hmm. week. Just like they have these hot shooting games and they're great. And then they don't shoot well and they lose. And they need to find a middle ground where they get better shots more consistently and play better defense. So they're not so reliant on like banks making every shot he takes, you know? Yeah. They, they rely heavily on the three point shot. And we were, Mm -hmm. we were texting about it in the game and you're like, you don't, I'm not really a big fan of taking that many threes, especially when a lot of them aren't falling for them. But they do just seem to – so last year they beat Radford and they beat Hofstra and the the big-time games. Radford at the time was receiving votes. And we all look at those games and we're like, wow, what a great win. But then if you kind of take a step back and you look at it with a more like statistical and, and analytical eye, the reason they won those games is because they shot the lights out. They didn't do anything particularly well except for shoot the lights out in those games. And that seems to be kind of the constant. They don't know how to win when they shoot averagely or shoot below average. They only know how to win when they are shooting absolutely lights out. I mean, 54.2% from behind the arc. They were 48% from the field as a whole. And then free throw was just absolutely terrible. But I mean, this team doesn't know how to win unless they shoot the ball lights out. And if they can shoot the ball lights out, that's fantastic. If they can do that every night, then yeah, that's how you win games, duh. But that's not what they do. And that's what they think is their only way to win games. I don't think they really know how to play defense in a UVA, not saying that they'll ever be UVA, but like, Mm-hmm. No, UVA, doesn't, UVA doesn't shoot the ball well, but they play stout defense and they're going to hold you to 34 points. Like, you're going <laughs> to win games if you hold your opponent to 34 points. JMU just is like, okay, we're going to shoot 55% from three today and <laughs> we're still only going to win by two. That's my thing. It's just like the turnovers, and this was through the Brady era, now through the Rowe era. You have to value the ball. Yeah, they like, don't. There's. At one point, I think with like eight minutes left in the second half, they had committed, I think, like 13 turnovers or something like that. Yeah, they've got seven, 17 for the game. It's, it's too many. You can't do it. And I grew up like watching Wisconsin, and they value the ball tremendously. Virginia, who I obviously watch a lot now, values the ball. <laughs> I tend to watch unless I'm creating a tweet about like Stefan from SNL and I'm just down. But, I mean, they're a good team. Like, I think everyone will agree that mm. – like. They have, they have, they have talented pieces. 
Like, I think they have the on paper. On paper, I think they have the potential to be a good team. I think they're like a good CA team, is what I should have said. My caveat. Okay. There. But I don't know. I mean, like, in, on terms of on paper, the talent level, those sort of things, I think those things are good. My issue is just like they don't take care of the ball. They rely too heavily on like one on one play and just knocking down dribbling jumpers. the ball. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I mean, I think they need to value the ball more and like, you just can't waste 17 possessions. Yeah, that's you a just lot can't of turnovers. Do it. And it's it, that hurts a lot. And then rebounding, they had 10 fewer offensive rebounds than Old Dominion. So, I mean, you look at that, it's like there's a reason that Old Dominion had 28 more shots in this game. And I know JMU had 21 more free throws, but the Monarchs had more scoring chances because they're just getting more offensive rebounds and they're not throwing the ball away every possession. So, that's yeah. really important. And then the other thing is like free throw shooting has been an issue. You look at the stats in this game, Jamie shot a better percentage from the three-point range than it did from the free-throw line. Like, that's who, weird. Who would have thought that free-throws was going to be the problem coming into this season? They've got some good free-throw shooters, so I'm, I'm thinking it is it's probably like, just a little blip, but I don't know. I mean, I mean just... last season they shot 72% at free-throw line, which isn't great, but it's not, it's not abysmal. Take that as a team, yeah. Yeah, and then 73% the year before. So the two years with these guys, this core group, and then this year they're shooting 59.4% to start the season. And that's before this game gets factored in. Mm -hmm. God, I mean, I don't know. I'm interested to see how they do because, and I don't want to overreact, but they're, and we've said this before, there's now not a single game on the schedule they, like, shouldn't be able to win. Like, I thought the old Dominion and George Mason games, I thought it made sense that they were an underdog in that one. They're going to be probably within, and I'm pulling this out of absolutely nowhere, probably within <laughs> like a seven-point. Your source on, is at, uh, in Vegas. <laughs> yeah. I would say worst case, they're like a seven-point underdog the rest of the way. Like there's no CA team, in my opinion, that's like way better than JMU. Yeah. And then you look at the rest of the non-conference, New Hampshire, Coppin State, East Carolina, Radford, Charleston, Southern, Southern and Fordham. They None should of those teams realistically are, are killer. win all of those. They're all winnable games. They're all winnable games. And – um yeah, I mean, like, you've got a chance now. You're three and two with a lot of winnable games left. You've got a chance to 15 to 20 wins in the regular season, but you've got to stop. They're not going to do that, though. So many mistakes, so many errors, and so many plays because the talent is there. The yeah. execution is very much not. Yeah. And here's my weekly basketball hot take. <laughs> we were texting about it this week, but I really, so every the last two years, we've ragged on the coaching staff and coach Rowe and everything like that. We're like, this roster's fantastic. They should win games. They've been together a year now. They, they should grow. Now this year they've been together for three years. They should grow, blah, 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 blah. And we keep going back to Rowe, but I don't know. Maybe this roster isn't as good as we thought it would be. I mean, Matt Lewis is a fantastic individual player. Deshaun Parker's a great facilitator. Darius Banks is a hot shooter, but all together, is this a roster that can win a lot of games? I don't know. I want to see what this season has in store, but I'm not 100% sold on this roster anymore. Yeah, I think that, that maybe people had sort of overhyped the roster a bit. I do want to see how it develops with these freshmen because I think they are pretty good and probably some of the best recruits that Jamie's had in a while. So I'm interested to see if that changes things. Then, of course, you introduce Wilson back in. Jacobs has developed nicely. 
they have some pieces, but I think there's also a part but, of the fan base. Yeah, maybe the, even the us Cleveland Browns have pieces. Right. I mean, you've got to kind of have it gel together, which I would say probably falls back on coaching. But then you could also say that, you know, people sort of overhype it. Like, is this a yeah. roster that's like a team caliber team? No. Is this a team like, that can even win an NCAA tournament game? Maybe. Not. Well, Maybe. I think the issue with the – I don't know if there's a CAA team that can right that's, now. You yeah. look at – I don't remember exactly. I want to see Northwest – Northeastern, excuse me, was a 14 seed last year and got the living – Oh, they got Crap kicked out of it by Kansas. Because if you're at 14, 15, or 16, you're probably going to get the living snot kicked out of you. So you've got to be a team that can get into like that 12 or better range. And right now the conference is not good enough to get it there. And I think that's probably a, a major issue with it is that none of these teams are, are all that special. I think I do think there's a chance, and I want to hold off just because I think there's a chance by the end of the season this JMU team is pretty decent. Um, potential-wise, but I also think there's a chance that we sit here at the end of the year and have the exact same conversation where we're just frustrated frustrated with the talent not working out. Yeah, and you know where the talent is working out? The Jamie football team. Yeah, Bridge Forest Stadium. Seems like everything is working out for them. I mean, they just absolutely obliterated a Richmond team that was playing for their playoff lives. I mean, the week before, they obliterated the supposedly – second best defense in the CAA and now they're going up to Rhode Island to beat a lowly two and seven roadies team. Um, man, this team's good. What'd you see out of the Richmond game? It was, it was, sorry. <laughs> I just read this tweet. That was really funny. Um, you want to share with the class? Someone asked Jimmy Moreland what his three favorite cartoons. Oh, and he said Sweet Life. <laughs> and then they're like, that's not a cartoon. And he goes, Life are you static shock then? Sweet Life of Zach and Cody is very much not animated. That's <laughs> <laughs> an awesome response. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, so the Richmond win for Jamie football. Uh, it was a really good victory. I mean, they beat them, what is it, 116 to – no, I'm doing it wrong. It's like 111 – what did they score last year? It's like one, <laughs> one thirteen to one sixteen. I think the last two years against Richmond, if my math is correct, it's something like that. They've outscored them by basically a hundred points last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is impressive. Well, I considering mean, just, that this rivalry has never had a side like, yeah, like every game was even. close. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's crazy. But I think my main takeaway, and you mentioned it at the beginning, is like the talent is working out. The chemistry is great. I think that's just what it is. You look at. Danucci had that play where he just steamrolled the dude. Like, he just ran a man over. Unbelievable. I think when your quarterback is just, like, that good, you've got Brandon Polk, who is one of the best JMU receivers in my memory, and I think yeah. probably recent memory. Yeah. Riley Stapleton is, is also Yeah, can't forget about of, one of the best postseason receivers in Duke's history. Yeah, in the last two, two to three years, he's put up some really good regular season stats. So, I mean, overall, he's been a great – receiver to go down as one of the better ones. You've got him and Polk who's having a tremendous year, historic season, really. Percy's a good running back, Jawan. I mean, we've got so many guys, offensive line, then of course the defense is loaded and probably has a couple guys who are capable of, of at least competing for a spot on NFL rosters. They're just better than everyone. And I think this year <laughs> they have a really good chemistry and they seem to be playing at a high level. I don't know. They seem to me, and I we've I've overreacted before, but they seem to me at least to be on a, a very easy path to make the quarterfinals, 
And then I think it could become a little bit more challenging there. I would not be surprised if they lost in the quarter semis or championship. Um, but I also think they're more than capable of winning the, the whole thing, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they have the talent, they have the roster, they have the coaching to win it all. But I mean, in a, in a tournament system like the FCS playoffs is set up, I mean, you have one bad turnover in a game. You could lose again. I mean, look at JMU in 2017. They almost lost to Weber State. So it's kind of a playing with fire thing. I yeah, mean, I mean, it's, I, it's, I don't know where it, I was going with that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's it's interesting. And someone asked, um, I think it was the Chicago Duke, about like the other teams maybe in the three through eight seed range who Jamie might face or see or things like that. I think at the three four, you're probably going to have um, either Weber State, Montana or Sacramento State, some combination there in the 3-4 spots. I think whoever JMU faces at 3, whether it's potentially Montana in the semis or, or Weber State, I think that'll be challenging. I'm not totally sure on, like, the, the I guess they would play the, the 7 seed in the quarters, assuming they get the 2 seed. Yeah, Don't know exactly who would be there, just because I think there are a few teams jockeying for a position. Um, maybe, like, a, a Northern Iowa or an Illinois State could be in that range. I wouldn't be overly concerned in the quarters. I think once you get to the the semis and obviously the yeah. championship, they'll be tested. But yeah, like you're saying, like Weber State put up a huge fight in the quarters that I don't know that people necessarily expected going in. Yeah. So there's no guarantees in the playoffs, but at the end of the day, this roster is just, it's just better than most FCS rosters. And this season in particular, I don't really, I also haven't really been keyed into the FCS as much as I have this season, mm-hmm. but from seeds or quote unquote seeds, three through eight, I haven't seen this much moving and shaking and, and dropping in and coming back up and then leaving and then losing one weekend in a game they should win. Like I haven't seen this much parity in seeds three through eight in a long time. So that makes yeah. it for me, like, you know, North Dakota state and JMU are the Goliaths of FCS right now for this season in particular. And then after that, I mean, Weber state was steamrolling at three and then they lost like lost by a couple scores this last weekend. And now they're potentially the fourth or fifth seed. Sacramento state had a great start to the season and now they're potentially a five seed. Who knows? Montana had a rough loss earlier on in the season. So, I mean, all of these teams have had like questionable losses and yeah, Jamie, right. you had their close game against Stony Brook, but they didn't lose it. I think that, for me, the big thing that stands out is you look at teams like Weber State and Montana, where Weber State, I think Weber State might have had an injury to their quarterback. I don't want to make that up, but I think <laughs> that might have happened. But they end up losing to Montana, Montana. And you look at these teams, whereas North Dakota State, JMU, Weber State, Montana, and maybe Weber State's probably last on that list. But those venues are tough to travel to yeah, and win. That's true. So I think that's the thing. It's like when you're in a quarter in a semi and like, like, Weber State, I wouldn't be stunned. Like, they could go into into Fargo and win. Like, they're a team capable of doing that in the same with Montana. The, the issue is I think that they stand a significantly better chance of beating a team like North Dakota State at home. At home, yeah. So I, that's where I think JMU and North Dakota State are sort of on the collision course just because they're both filthy at home, and they have been for years. There's going to be a big playoff atmosphere in the quarter and semis, even if it's not like a sellout at Bridgeforth. It'll be 18,000 people who are – losing their minds and very excited to be there, which is tends to be the same as, you know, 22,000 who are maybe not paying much attention. <laughs> so sitting on their hands. Exactly. So I just think that's my issue with teams that are in that, um, 
you know, three to eight range is I think they're capable of pulling some upsets. It's just such a disadvantage to play on the road. Yeah. Especially it really in December. Is. It, and especially if you're Weber State or Montana going to mm-hmm. in the in this made up scenario we're talking about, going to JMU. Like right. Ogden, Utah right. isn't close to Harrisonburg, Virginia. And where's Montana? Um, don't tell me. Boat, no, that's Montana State's in Bozeman. Montana, the entire state, that's far from Harrisonburg, Virginia. Exactly. So, I mean, like, that's a tough trip, and it's just hard to play on these these road venues that are that can put in 20,000 people that are yeah. losing their mind, and they play well at home. They're used to playing And especially home, like that. against JMU's defense. Like, right. things travel in December, and things travel, too, like – even if JMU wasn't home, a defense travels, a running game travels, and that's like the old cliche that every single old school football coach says, but it really yeah. is true. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm really excited for the playoffs, and God, the so JMU sports blog guys mentioned this. It's almost like the perfect time of the year where JMU just beat Richmond. They're going to probably beat the living crap out of Rhode Island. I'm um, low-key a oh, little worried about this game. Are you? Really? Low-key a little bit. Tell me why. So, I remember in the beginning of the season when I was really high on Rhode Island and they failed me every time I picked them because of last season when they had a good good run? Yes. So, kind of been following along with Rhode Island this season. And, yeah, they've had a couple bad losses, like their William & Mary loss. And as I'm scrolling through some of their other losses, like they've had some bad losses against Elon. Um, but they've also had some close losses. They – they kind of hung with it a little bit with Virginia Tech. Um, 34-17 was the loss there. Um, yeah, they were pretty decent in that game. They barely lost to Stony Brook, 27-31. And I know that wasn't AP style was the way the, I said uh, it. That was on the uh, nonsensical Tyco Fields, like 60-yard touchdown run at the end of the game. Yeah, exactly. UNH beat them by three points earlier in the season. Last yeah. week, Rhode Island only lost by... Four points, and I know I'm saying only lost. Like, they still lost. And they're st- they played Maine, which was a Maine team oh. playing for their oh, playoff yeah, lives. Oh, yeah, 34-30, right? Yeah. So, like, this Rhode Island team isn't your typical 0-7 conference team, 2-9 and overall. Like, I truly believe that this Rhode Island team is a tough, tough team to play. And JMU's traveling to them. I know we talked about earlier in the season the definition of a trap game. But I think this could be the definition of a trap game. You're coming off a huge win against a rival, and your eyes are set for that first round bye and the quarterfinals. And the or I completely forgot the matchup in the second weekend. Like yeah, yeah. that's where your eyes are set right now. You're and I know they take it one week at a time, and this is a fan speaking, so I have no idea what the, the locker room is actually saying. But to me, it just feels like there's so much talk around the playoffs and that we're just riding off Rhode Island. Uh, I think they may want to play spoiler a little bit and knock JMU down to that three or four seed. I think that's an, an interesting take, and I'm happy you made it because I think it's very logical, and I also disagree with it. I, so, probably all of JMU Nation disagrees with it, but there's something I think it's in the back of take, my though. mind. There, this voice was talking to me at the end of this ODU game that was saying, James is going to blow it. <laughs> and the same voice is saying, James is going to lose to the roadies. So here's what I like about the take. I like the fact that they 
are playing on the road at Rhode Island and they've already won the conference against the two and nine team. That's the next game. So I think that they're probably, there's definitely a chance that they could sort of overlook it. And this is leading into Thanksgiving break as well. So they don't have like class stuff necessarily to worry about right away. Noon kickoff. Yeah. I think for me, the thing that kind of stands out is just that I guess it's the earliest kick of the year, isn't it? Yeah. Well, on the furthest on the, road trip. Interesting. The thing that stands out is just, I mean, I think they're going to want to finish off the perfect season against the FCS, the perfect season against the CAA. They also know that if you get through this one, you get the two seed. At and least. If you, lo- you lose it, you don't. So then you're, you're kind of taking, um, you know, you get a home field throughout the playoffs. So I think that that will have them locked in. And the fact that once you play this one, you finish it, it also guarantees a bye, which I think they might have anyway. But it guarantees a bye, which gives them a chance to then not have to play the first round. So I think there's enough there to motivate them to get it done. Um, I wouldn't be stunned if Rhode Island hits some plays on the secondary because Aaron Parker is a ridiculous receiver. Yeah. And Rhode Island slings the ball around. And you're right, it's a noon kick road game. I think when we talked to Brian Shore, he had talked about um, – um, them sort of overlooking <laughs> Rhode Island if they overlooked any opponents <laughs> just because it was like you're going up to Rhode Island they're not all that good but I think they'll be locked in for this one Signetti's done a good job with that and my other thing is that Rhode Island has played some teams very competitively but we look at like New Hampshire and we look at uh, let's see who else here you like in Albany Maine they played tight Maine yeah it from what I've seen the last few weeks it looks like JMU is like 40 points better than those teams that's, so that's, that's very that's true. where I'll push back and say I think that even if JMU sleepwalk sleepwalks, I think they can kind of turn it on and still win by thirty. Yeah, there's just that that voice in the back of my mind, and yeah, I mean JMU's the forty point favorite against every team in the CAA right now, but they were also the forty point favorite against Colgate last season in the playoffs. What was the line on that one? Okay, maybe it wasn't forty points, but I, <laughs> I thought it was close. <laughs> They're definitely favored though. Yeah. I don't know. It's just – Well, even like Stony Brook, I think they're probably like a 25-point yeah. favorite or something. So it's just it, – there's a lot of makings for this game to be that quote-unquote trap game. Would I, where would I put my money? I'd put my money on JMU and the points um, without a doubt. No hesitation on that. But I, but, do, I do like what you're saying about the uh, new kick, long road trip. You've already won the conference. There definitely could be – it does have like the, the classic trap game – makings to it. I just it. think that JMU is so much better that even if they are yeah. kind of messing around, I think they're going to be able to shred them. Now, I do think they can give up some points, but I think they're going to... This is a game where Danucci, I think, sort of segueing. I think he can really stamp his his um, CA Player of the Year case down. I think he can and put a big performance out there and send one last message that he's the best offensive player in the league. How likely do you think... What does he have to do in this game? I know both of us already claim him as the CA player of the year and for good reason I mean he is but what do you think he has to do in order for the CA media to look at him and say wow yeah he may not have the raw numbers but this man really is the player of the year in the CAA I think it's interesting and I don't know how much people look at like I mean we wrote an article or I did about him like having a case for it I don't I don't think that affects like CA voters <laughs> but there's also been more talk about it like after we sort of brought it up and i'm not saying that we started the conversation i'm just saying that like we started, we started the conversation and yeah we, i mean we did this no but i'm just <laughs> saying that, like other people have also kind of done it more like maybe we had jumped the gun but other people have certainly <laughs> followed along and you look at um 
like Greg Medea had an article saying that yeah. like, he he had um, sort of made his case for it. He's got 20 touchdown passes, just four interceptions. He's rushing the ball effectively. His passing efficiency numbers are ridiculous. I think that Flacco is right up there as well. And this, maybe I'm really wrong here. I don't think since he won it last year, I just don't think if he and Danucci have the same stats, they're going to give it to Flacco. See, that's where I differ with you on that because I think that doesn't have anything to do with it. See, I think that they would <laughs> not give him two. But I mean, I, I also, I have no way of knowing that. But that's yeah, just my hunch is that they want to. Yeah spread it out. But I guess you could look on the other side and say that like, if you remove Tom Flacco, Towson is trash. And if you remove Ben DiNucci, I think the Dukes are still a playoff team. Yeah. But is this the most valuable player or is this the best player in the CAA? Cause to me though, that's two different conversations. That's a good point. I don't really know how the voters look at yeah, it. Yeah. Neither I mean, do we're all, we're I would, I think Ben DiNucci is right a better, now. I think Ben DiNucci is a better player. Yeah. Than Tom Flacco. Um, I think Tom Flacco is more valuable though. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But I think, like, yeah, I guess that's an inter- interesting point. I think, like, if you move Flacco and put him on JMU, he'd actually be pretty filthy. I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think that, like, I think if you put Flacco on the Dukes, Flacco would have very similar numbers as Ben DiNucci. I would agree with that. I think they're they're pretty similar quarterbacks, and that's why I would sort of lead to DiNucci because of what he's done. I think him helping win the Stony Brook game in, in big fashion, him having a recent say offensive player of the week honor helps. I imagine it's probably him and Flacco. You might want to throw under Cuffler in there from all under Cuffler. I, I don't see them giving him. And I think he's retro. Freshman, freshman so of the they're year. still eligible for that, right? Yeah. He'll be rookie of the year. Right. So he'll be the rookie of the year. I don't think they're going to give someone both. So that's why I'm kind of leaning to Danucci just because I think also and chase Kitty mentioned this last week, the narrative of like last year, he wasn't, he wasn't great, and he struggled, and then he comes back and has this unbelievable season. Yeah. And outside of the West Virginia game, he has shredded people, right? So, and I mean, even every, in that West Virginia game, he wasn't bad. Made some big plays. Made yeah. some big plays. He had one bad so, pick, but like... Yeah, I mean, I think he he certainly deserves to be looked at for this award, and I think that... I mean, <laughs> I'm incredibly biased, but I think he... You are? Should, ...should probably win it like i think that he's done enough but i'm not going to be like angry if he doesn't you yeah i mean like flacco's been really good under has been really good so i wouldn't be stunned if he didn't but i also think he's very deserving and i do hope that whoever votes on this looks past just pure yardage and pure touchdowns and looks at the fact that you know he's sat out some some late fourth quarters and he's helped lead the team to wins he's done things running and passing and he's been just incredibly efficient yeah I mean, he's almost – he's about 25 points higher. No, 23 points higher in passing efficiency than the next closest person in the CA and Joe Mancuso, followed oh. by Jeff Undercuffler and Tom Flacco. To me, like, that's what you really have to harp on with Danucci is his efficiency. Yeah. Because he does have one of the better running backs in the CAA in Percy. I mean, Percy's fourth in the CAA in rushing at – yards per game. Which is crazy. Yeah, like, so he's only getting so many pass attempts a game. And he's making the most out of each and every one. He has 257 attempts on the season, which is, doing a quick look, I think fourth or fifth lowest in the CAA. Yeah, he's not throwing that many passes. Yeah, but he has a 70% completion rate. He's passed for nearly 2,500 yards and 20 touchdowns. Like, 
when he gets his opportunities, he's making the most out of it. He's not turning the ball over and he's being damn efficient, damn efficient. And I if think, you're a Danucci lover like we are, that's what you have to point to because the raw numbers just aren't going to support you. Yeah, and they're like competitive, but you're right; they're not like enough to win it. So you have to go into the efficiency. And the thing you have to, go to the that, analytical numbers. Exactly. The thing to me that that helps stand out a little bit is that he's been efficient, but it's not like he's always throwing like dump offs. You know, yeah, like he's his, not a game he, manager. His deep ball throw ridiculous. Well, did you see the one? To Brandon Polk, right after the fumble by Richmond, he just throws it was an absolute perfect throw. He has been – he's making me look so smart. When, during the offseason, I remember I was like, man, he's a good deep ball thrower. Yeah. And now he, he's making throws that I didn't think a quarterback could make. Like, he is absolutely dropping dimes. He's killing it out there. He really is. So going back to your original question that we both avoided, I'll have you go to. What do you think he needs to what do you think he needs to do this weekend? Does he need like a crazy game? Does he need just sort of one of his standard two hundred yard, two touchdown games? What kind of performance does he need to help make his case, I guess? You have me going first? Yeah, go for it. So for him to cement a his case to be CAA player of the year. I believe he needs to have a season best in yards and a season best in touchdowns. And that would mean roughly 300 yards in the air and four touchdowns. I think he needs, I know. I think he needs a stamp to finish the season. I think it hurts him that one of his best games, which was the Stony Brook game where he willed the team to win was in be in the beginning of October. I mean, a month ago, a month and a half ago. I mean, as much as we we say it's not true, recency is a huge thing in these in these postseason awards. And it's kind of what have you done for me lately? His last couple of games, he had an absolutely amazing game against New Hampshire, lighting up arguably the best secondary in the CAA at the time for 293 yards and two touchdowns. He, I think he needs to replicate that UNH performance a little more yards. He might be able to do it if he goes for three touchdowns, um, but I think 300 yards and at least three touchdowns. I would agree based on your wording saying like to cement it. I think if he has one of his like standard 200 yard, maybe two or three touchdown performances, I think it'll be very much in the mix um, and, and still have a chance. to yeah. win. But I do, I do think you're right. If he puts out a show, I think he's got a chance to really lock it up this weekend. Yeah, I think he wins it if he puts on a show, doesn't throw an interception, right. and absolutely just shows out and flexes that entire game. He runs for maybe a touch. If he throws for two touchdowns and runs for one, that'd be good. That's fine too. If he can put up maybe 250 yards in the air and 50 on the ground, that's fine. Maybe I should say all purpose yards, all purpose 300, yeah. all purpose four touchdowns, three touchdowns. And even if he just has, like, a couple plays, too, that are, like, crazy highlight yeah. plays, I think that would help. And the other article that I didn't mention when we were talking about, like, him getting press, like, Flow Football did a piece. Yeah. They, they included one of our tweets. But they did <laughs> – I guess you would call it a piece. It was kind of just, like, a weird hodgepodge of, like, Benanucci stats. But it was basically talking about how he's playing really well. So I do think even, like, the, you know, flagship streaming service is kind of plugging him. I haven't seen anything on Flacco, but I haven't looked. Yeah, um, neither have I, but – so, I mean, I think that's that's interesting. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think he's got a chance. The only, the only issue is that, like, against Richmond, he was killing them, but he only threw the ball 13 times. Yeah, that's what – that's 
he gets pulled in games just because they're up so much. Like that hurts him. Yeah, and when they're up so much, they're they have no issue giving the ball to Percy yeah. or, or Jawan or whatever. So I mean that that's where we go back to the efficiency. Where he's been unbelievable despite not throwing the ball that much. He's got one, just two. He's had <laughs> he's had two <laughs> games where he hasn't even thrown the ball twenty times, but then he's got a lot of games where he has twenty five and under. Only two games this year where he's actually thrown more than twenty five pass attempts. So I think that's very interesting. Um, is that he just hasn't thrown it a ton, but he's been incredibly efficient. He hasn't really needed to because he's been so good in those, you know, 20 to 25 passing attempts. Interesting that the William and Mary game is the other one that he has thrown more than 25 passes, and that's his season high at 36. I feel like they kept him, and I'm basing this off of like a hodgepodge of random, I think I've said that twice now in a minute, um, <laughs> of random like press conference clippings that are all mashed around in my brain. But he only carried the ball once, which leads me to believe that he didn't scramble in that one. Uh, so I, yeah, feel like, because... I feel like most of the games they call probably 30 pass attempts, and he scrambles on five of them. Because the Richmond game, he had 13 pass attempts, but scrambled 10, 10 times. Yeah, so he had times, 23 yeah. attempts. Like, he dropped back 23 times. Right, right. And then there's probably some zone reads or whatever. But I, most of those are like RPOs anyway. But, I mean, it's it's interesting to see just how good he's been on, like, those limited passing attempts. But I think if... And Rhode Island is a defense you can absolutely annihilate. So this is one where he's got a chance. If he's efficient, gets some nice yardage, some touchdowns, they win by a ton. They prove that they are, without a doubt, the best team in the conference, without a doubt, the two seed. I think that's huge, and I think it does give him a really good chance of winning the award, um, which would allow me to roast someone on Twitter, which is really all I care about. So I'm hoping he wins it for personal reasons because I've held a grudge for three months, and I want to put somebody on blast. <laughs> and so. with putting people on blast, that's something Daka and Rondell have been doing all Good season. Transition. Thank you. Um, this is just going to be a quick one, not as much in depth because there's just so many different people that are up for the. Well, not so many, but there's a lot of very good players up for the Buck Buchanan Award. Do you think Daka or Carter really have a shot at doing it? I at winning it? I, <laughs> no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure who the other candidates are. Yeah, neither do I. Either. Because I've not done a good job keeping up with the national landscape just because I'm very busy. We're both pretty busy humans. So we just like – we do our JMU talk and we we both do – you better than I. But we both do a pretty good job of staying on top of the CAA. But I think outside of that, it's tough. But here's what I will say. They both have at least 18 and a half tackles for loss. They both have a ridiculous amount of, of tackles. I would say that DACA, if I had to pick, would have a better chance just because he's got the 11 sacks, which is a little flashier than – Carter's seven and a half, so I think he might have a better chance um, at the overall case for it. But both of them should be CAA Defensive Player of the Year candidates. Yeah. And yeah, I think they're both at least, they've got to be in the hunt, right? Yeah, they should be. I mean, I know they were like named final or like watch list. They were named to the watch list for the final. How big is the watch list? I think I have no idea, actually. Didn't I know there's Jimmy like Moreland not even win, though, and he had like a million interceptions. Yeah, he didn't win. I don't think Andrew Anchor won. I thought he did win. Twitter's going to correct me if they've stayed this long. Let me Google it. But, yeah. Top three. No, he is top three. Okay, yeah. So, I mean. He got third place, I guess. Yeah. So, those guys didn't win it. I don't think either of these guys are going to win it. But, eh, we'll see. Both of them are great. Both defensive player of the year and the CAA uh, finalists should be. One of them should win it. And kind of let's lump all this together. We talked a little bit about the FCS playoff schedule. Let's talk quickly about seeding where JMU can sit at seeding. 
and what CAA teams we can expect to get into the playoffs. I like this because you're going to be very intelligent on this topic. Also, there are two of the 16 finalists, which is actually very impressive. That's actually really impressive. So I will say two Jamie players. I'll say they have a good chance. I think, and this is a just a quick take. They probably honestly hurt each other. That's what I was. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like I know that they, in a in a way, they help each other because they don't double team either guy really, or it's hard to one on each side. But I feel like if there was just one of them, they'd probably have, you know, better stats. Oh snap! On a complete side note, tracking back to men's basketball. Yes. Um. Do they like count the basket now? No, 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 no. (laughs) Shane (laughs) Metlin, Shane Metlin, and TJ Eck are on Twitter talking about it. Are they fighting? Um, no, there's a little little funny jab TJ did. Um, Shane Metlin tweeted, DNR exclusive right here. This is what the replay officials saw to wave off ODU's buzzer beater. The red light was synced with the official clock, not oh. the TV clock. <laughs> That's with them. So exclusive. And then TJ Eck responds with exclusive, you say, and he posted the same exact picture. Um <laughs> <laughs> um so that's why, why they were and it is it is completely still 100% in his hands so everything well, I, I said, that's an easy win for JMU and that's a smart play to break old man's <laughs> heart like that and basically ruin their season wow Lewis Rowe is playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers Love okay so chances at seeding CAA teams getting in some potential matchups <laughs> Okay, yes. I think they'll get five. So I think it'll be Albany, Maine, JMU, Villanova. <laughs> Who's the other team? Towson. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I'm about to do this. This is amazing. <laughs> I think those will be the five that get in. Um, one of them will probably blow it and it might get to be four. But I think those seem like they have a good chance of doing it. Um, I actually think Villanova, and this is going to be an interesting hot take that I think... You think they're going to get a seed? Because me too. Oh, sweet. Okay. I think they're going to have a chance because here's yeah. why. The committee overvalued the living hell out of New Hampshire okay. earlier, yeah, which makes me think that they like CAA teams. And then if you look at their resume, they've got wins over Towson, and they have a win over Maine, which now actually looks good. They were leading JMU going into the fourth quarter. It's got an interesting chance to sneak into the like seven or eight. I would say eight, actually. I would say they'll have a chance at eight. I said, I said this in terms of this helping Maine. So – the committee way overvalued UNH. So that, that makes me, that leads me to believe that they're really high on the CAA. Everyone, yes. a lot of people coming into this season and even in playoff talk, they were like, CAA put six teams in last season. Only two made it to the second weekend. And that's because one of them had a buy on the first week. And then only one of those made it to the quarterfinal round. So do you think the committee's low on the CAA? And then that sneak peek thing that we saw a couple <laughs> weeks ago, right made me think, oh, they're not low on the CAA at all. They're still pretty darn high on them. So that makes me believe that Maine is going to get in, that if it's between them and a couple other 7-5 and five teams, Maine will get the nod because in reality they're 7-3 and three in the FCS. Nova, I think, can get in not because of all of that other stuff, but because I think a couple of the teams in front of them are going to trip up. Okay. And I think Nova's going to win. Um, and I think some of the teams that are in front of them I use Steel City Baller. He does a lot of FCS yeah. bracketology. I love his stuff. Um, He's good. But he has Villanova kind of on the teetering edge of like maybe getting a seed, maybe not. 
but I mean, Monmouth, Illinois State, South Dakota State, and Sacramento State all have chances at losing this week. If I'm not mistaken, North Dakota State's playing Illinois State this weekend. That seems wrong. <laughs> I might be wrong, though. I thought they had an easy win. No, they're playing a top five, 25 team. Really? Southern Illinois. Oh, Southern Illinois. Yeah. That's a decent I, pro. Oh, on the road. Yeah, yeah. So on North Dakota State could lose. That's getting into my next point of chances at seeding. I think that was my first voice crack. But uh, South Dakota State, Illinois State, Monmouth, all chances at losing this weekend. I don't know who they're playing, but I just know the way the FCS goes. One of them will probably lose. And if Villanova – Is Monmouth really deserving of a seed? That's what I'm saying. I don't think Monmouth's getting a seed. Monmouth's is trapped. Monmouth's There's trapped. All, other people in running, Central Arkansas, Montana State, Villanova, Central, Central Arkansas, Connecticut. they had a bad loss though, right? Yeah, they had a really bad loss. And Villanova See, hasn't they had should a quote-unquote bad seen, loss. I've seen – some what was it that I've seen? <laughs> no, I saw Sam Herder was talking about like four uh, Missouri. Oh, Valley. four Big Sky teams. No, four Missouri Valley. Potentially. Oh, oh, the Mountain Valley. Be you. It would. <laughs> it would be North Dakota State, obviously. Like you and I, South Dakota State and Illinois State would all somehow sneak in. Okay, we're overvaluing you and I's opening weekend game. We're, yes, we're Tell also overvaluing the crap out of that conference. We're also overvaluing that one team's beating of UMass. Who beat UMass? Yeah, that's not even a – that should not count as like – I hate when people are like, oh, an some FBS team – like, UMass is a high school team. They absolutely obliterated UMass, and everyone's like, I don't know, blah, blah. And there's two sides of it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so with all wow, that being said, UMass is competitive. we both think five CA teams can get in. I don't believe the national media saying three to four. I think it's four to five. Granted, that's right. if the funny thing is, if Albany, Maine, and uh, Towson all lose this weekend, I could also see two teams getting in. And no, I don't think they're all going to lose, though. Neither do I. Neither do I. I think they're all going to win, and it's going to put five in. If, it, if they all choked, so. Chances at seeding, what's more likely, JMU dropping to the number three or four seed or JMU jumping up to the number one seed? I think they're pretty locked in at two. But I think if you actually take a look at like what JMU has done against the FCS, I think there's, there's a little bit of a case. North Dakota State, here's what I will say. North Dakota State is one of the – right now they're one of the two best teams in the country, but they're also being overvalued. People are acting like North Dakota State can't win, lose – excuse me, can't lose a football game. And that's yeah. just wrong. Like, you look at UC Davis the road, and UC Davis is not a playoff team this year. Took them to the wire. You look at South Dakota State, if their quarterback was held, probably, probably ends up beating North Dakota State, yeah, in that game. And I just don't think the Missouri Valley is that good. You look at Youngstown State, not that good. They had a 22 to nothing home win, North Dakota State did, over Missouri State. Missouri State is terrible. I don't think Northern Iowa or Illinois State are quite as good as people are making them out to be. Um, North Dakota State about this last week a little bit. They yeah. beat Delaware, which like good for them. But I don't know. I just don't think North Dakota State is unbeatable. Now I think I would be stunned if they don't make the semis, but I don't think they're unbeatable. I think there's a chance that they lose in either the semis or uh, the championship game. And I think they'll be tested in the quarters, just like I think JMU will be. Yeah, like looking at their schedule, it looks oddly similar to JMU's schedule. A and couple blowout games, like. A couple blowout games. I mean, a couple closer games to, at the time, ranked opponents. Um, yeah, I just – I think North Dakota State 
is the one seed merely because of their legacy. But at the same time, I think there's a case to be made they may lose this week. I mean, Southern Illinois is not a great team. They're ranked for the first time since, I believe, 2017. Um, or receiving votes even since then. But this is a Southern Illinois team that's playing for their playoff lives. This is a group that wants to get into the playoffs, and I know that's the trope at, that everyone's beating the drum at this point of the season. This is playing for their playoff lives. The senior team doesn't want this to be the last game. But, like, I think that does have a little bit of that, – that treads some water at this point. Like, this is going to be a tough game. North Dakota State's traveling to them. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if North Dakota State tripped up in this game. I would be very surprised. But I do think there's actually a case for it. Um, and <laughs> Southern Illinois beat UMass by 25. Was it Southern um, Illinois? Okay. As yeah. I'm, as I'm mocking their fan base saying. But they've won – I'm bad at counting. Five in a row. Um, they won five they're like in a row. Maine. They're not a, yeah, they're not a great team, but playing at home, I think they, yeah, maybe they'll keep it competitive. I wouldn't expect them to just because against some of the better teams they've sort of faded, but they've looked good down the stretch run. They're a competitive team. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch that game for sure. I did not realize that the North Dakota state might actually get tested here yeah. in the last game. It's interesting. And I think that Villanova gets the eight seed. I think it's like SP plus or S and P plus. Um, it's like a rating system that ESPN, I believe, deploys. And they're starting to do it a little bit for FCS. Uh, Bill Connolly is a guy who works at ESPN and tweets out these different ratings. And he's talked for the last couple of weeks about how the CAA is ranked really highly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Towson, Towson and Villanova are two of these sort of, um, I think maybe even Albany, um, mentioned as like potential sleepers. If Nova gets the eight seed and plays North Dakota State in the quarters, I think that could be more competitive than people think. Yeah. It could because I mean Villanova played JMU darn well, and if it wasn't for a MJ Hampton pick six, I think that game could be completely different. Yeah, if it wasn't for Latrell Palmer breaking it open and Villanova actually filling their gaps, I think that game's completely different. Um, and I know those are two huge what ifs, but it, it it's to say that I mean, and then they'll get their shot at North Dakota State. North Dakota State isn't invincible. Trey Lance hasn't thrown a pick this season, and he's a freshman. Like, right? I, I think it's coming. Like, everything regresses to the mean at some point, and a freshman doesn't go an entire season without throwing an interception. That's all he's I'm going to say. Deal. He's crazy. If he doesn't, that'd be just wow, that's amazing. He should win yeah, the Walter Payton special. award. Then he's special. It'll be. I'd love to see Villanova, North Dakota State, though, and I think if I think North Dakota State. If you're JMU, if you're any team in the bracket, I think you kind of hope North Dakota State goes into the playoffs undefeated. So they've got this extra um, sort of prestige about them. Not that they would lose it if they lose to <laughs> this weekend. It's not like you can erase what they have. <laughs> but I do think there's more pressure on them if they're the number one seed. Like if yeah. they lose this weekend and they go in, it's like the two or the three or something. I just don't think there's quite as much pressure. Now, if North Dakota State loses and drops to like the three, that could be huge for the FCS because that means whoever gets the two could play North Dakota State at home, which would be massive. So that'll be interesting if North Dakota State does get upset, like you're saying, there could be a chance there. Yeah, I think if they get upset, they drop to three. JMU one, Montana, barring a win, goes to two. I feel like North Dakota you State could even two. You could even argue Weber State then jumps up to three based off of that Oof. terrible strength of schedule debate. 
But if they if they both have one FCS loss, who are you going to put in the thirty second strength of schedule or the first strength of schedule into that three seed? I don't know. It'd be fascinating. I think North Dakota State would still get the two just out of like name recognition, because I don't think he would have enough. I don't think the committee would have enough them. cojones to put him yes. at the four seed to then play JMU before the championship. Yeah. And I do think – I think North Dakota State is probably going to win this weekend, but I think – Oh, yeah, 100%. But it's it's an interesting uh, matchup. I'm just looking at – I'm looking at Steel City Ballers' um, projections now. I'm just getting excited. I love the FCS playoffs. Villanova, so North fun. Dakota State would be really exciting. You could have a Weber State, Sacramento State rematch. would be great. Montana, South Dakota State would be an incredibly fun matchup. And then I think JMU versus Illinois State would actually be the most boring. Um, and if Monmouth somehow, even if Monmouth got the eight seed and Villanova played them it in Monmouth, I think Villanova still wins and ends up playing yeah. North Dakota State. So, yeah. I, Very I kind of interesting. Hope, I hope JMU has a – it's weird because there aren't that many East Coast teams. So it's like – They're going to play Albany in the second round. I would expect that very much. Or Maine. Or Maine. I wouldn't be stunned by Maine. Yeah. Probably one of those two. If Maine gets in. Right, right. That's Maine, very true. That's very true. Maine will probably be at the Montana State San Diego. I could see I that. think. Just because Maine would be the first four would be the last four in. One of those, yeah, taking that and then get would then play get, North uh, Dakota one. North Dakota State. I can see but that. yeah, there's a lot of dive in. We'll get even more into it next week when yes. everything is actually set in stone and we can really, really dive into the what if scenarios before the um, field is announced. And now um, it's a time that we weren't able to do last week and we're excited to get back into it this week. It's time for this week's weekly pick'em. All right, I'm 20 and 22. Bennett, you're 21 and 21. This is the last week of the CA Pick'em before we do our bracket between the two of us where we'll pick on the podcast every week. But this is the last CAA Pick'em of the season. Mm-hmm. I need to win two. That's you. I need to pick differently in two games from you. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that this week. But here we go. JMU, Rhode Island, noon kickoff. Who do you got? JMU. Good pick. I don't even add anything. I just think I'll win. Yeah. I, I'm picking JMU too. I'm not stupid. I said all that stuff about Rhode Island just being a trap game, but I'm also not in the locker room, and I probably know what's being said in the locker room, and that's this week's focus is on Rhode Island. So, William and Mary, Richmond, who do you got? Teams that have played JMU and lost to them, CAA teams, are one in five the next week, Jack. One in five. I know. Richmond, if they put that in my hero column last week, all I'm saying. Did you? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I probably should have seen that when I I figured it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you've got Richmond, (laughs) who's going into this game, and they are devastated, Jack. They're devastating. They really are, though, because all of their playoff chances were Yeah, crushed. playoff hopes are gone. William Mary, they know, they've known for a month they have <laughs> had no shot at the playoffs. <laughs> They're playing decent football, honestly. Well, if they listened to you a month ago, they would have thought they still had a chance at the playoffs. Exactly. Last week, they only lost to Towson at home by 21. 
so they're showing something. Give me the tribe in this one, just because I think they'll show up more motivated, and I think Richmond is, uh, they're willing to give up a lot of points. Let's say that. Okay, I'm glad you went William and Mary, because my heart was with the Spiders of Richmond. Um, tough loss, but you know who that one, that one win after a JMU loss was? Towson. Yeah, Towson. You know what they've done since then? Rattled off three straight to get into the thick of the playoff hunt after I had all but written them off. I don't know what that has to do with this game. Yeah, I, don't I think just wanted to say it. <laughs> I just wanted to. Say I was like, it. I don't know where he's going with this, but I hope he ties it back. Um, you Rich- just said Richmond was out of the playoff hunt. Now you're talking about Towson's playoff charge. <laughs> all right, interesting. Yeah, I have Richmond winning this. I think the seniors will want to go out on a on a high note. Maine, New Hampshire. <laughs> will William and Mary seniors not want to go out on a high note? Well, this is at Richmond. <laughs> yeah, that changes the entire thing. Um, William and Mary seniors have had a chance to go out on a high note the last month. Fair. Um, Maine travels to New Hampshire. If New Hampshire wins, they're two and. Did they win last week? Never mind. They're out of the playoffs. Never mind. Never mind. Maine goes to New Hampshire. Maine needs a win to keep their playoff shots alive. Who do you got? Mm. <laughs> this is a tough one. This is this is the one where you can lose the city pick up and then you wake up at night <laughs> on Thanksgiving and you just cry, man. With your full wanna... stomach buy, and green bean casserole. Second year. Exactly. This is our second year of doing this. I'm 1-0, and, and I've had the lead pretty much the entire year this year. You have. And I've slowly <laughs> choked it away. It's kind of like so I need, tonight. Yeah, I need you to pull up at the buzzer with the ball still in your hands. Um, <laughs> my, my, did I think New Hampshire's a better team? But I think Maine cares more about this game. So, I'm going to... Oh, God. Maine's been playing some really quality football. I'm going to say Maine, oh, Maine wins. Maine wins. Oh, crap. Because <laughs> I think this might be my last shot yeah, to be like, different yeah, from you. No, you, you might not. You'll have another one. I don't think so. Do you have Stony Brook over Albany? I can't say. We're not there yet. Damn it. See, I will say that this sucks that being in the lead because I've had to pick all the games first <laughs> the entire year. It's also because I just say them first. True. But then we're doing playoff pick them, right? Yeah. yeah With yeah. every game? Yeah. I'll okay, go cool. first. I'll go first next. I'll be the first one to pick for playoff pick them. Okay, okay, so New Hampshire, the committee was really, really high on them two weeks ago, right? They were at 10th. Then they got destroyed by JMU, and they lost last week. And I don't think there's Tony any way. And I don't think there's <laughs> any way that this New Hampshire team gets in going one and two down the stretch. Yeah. And I think their playoff hopes are are done. With that being said, I don't think Maine is as good as their five-game winning streak has led you to believe they are. As I'm scrolling up to see who they've beaten in this, this winning streak. So, in this winning streak, they've beaten William & Mary, big whoop. They beat the undercuffler by, eight, by 16, so that's a good win. Good win. I'll give that one to you. Then they went on to beat Elon, which is shown to be a terrible team with the 10th best passing efficiency quarterback in Davis Cheek. And then they went on to barely beat Rhode Island, a bad, yep. bad team. So I'm going to go New Hampshire. 
Okay. A random mm. aside, if Benvenuti wins as a player of the year, I also inadvertently roast someone else who I do not have any grudge against. I apologize. <laughs> He's just involved in the thread talking up <laughs> Davis Cheek, which is <laughs> nonsense. So if that happens, just be warned. Someone else is... <laughs> There's collateral damage, man. I'm calling for the kill if you win. All right. <laughs> you pick okay, main, so you right? got yeah. So you got two differences okay. here already. So yeah. you could you could overtake me, I guess. Right? Yeah, that's that's the yeah that's the goal. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Delaware Villanova. Who do you got? Oh man, I want to be sneaky here. I really want to just <laughs> steal one here. Delaware just beat Stony Brook. That's a week after losing a heartbreaker to Albany. So Delaware, is, this is their up week. Delaware to me is a playoff team that is bad in close <laughs> games. So like I think Delaware this year with what had, um, especially when they switched quarterbacks to Nolan Henderson, was like capable of sneaking in the playoffs. No, I think this Delaware team is a playoff team every other week. That's fair. They've had some really embarrassing losses, I will say that. But I think part of it is that they had what's his face at quarterback. Um Pat Kehoe, he was not very good. No offense, Pat Kehoe. <laughs> I can't really, he can't, really, can't really say that when I was just saying that he was bad. But I think Nolan Henderson's a little bit better. I think he's more mobile. Uh, it's going to be kind of ugly. I think Nova knows that this one, like they're probably already in the playoffs, but they're playing at home. They win this one. They've got a chance at a seed. I think they're going to be more motivated. I do think they're a better team. I think they're a little bit more well coach sorry to my man Danny Rocco please don't look, look me in the eyes um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Villanova picks up the win here just because I think a Delaware pick would be remarkably stupid yeah Delaware pick would all but assure me at least a tie in the CAA pickup um Villanova wins this yeah I mean they're still playing for something it's not like JMU that's all but wrapped it up Villanova's still playing for a top eight seed and I think if they win this week and dominating fashion and a couple things in front of them happen. I think there's a good chance, even if everything, if all the teams in front of them win, I think there's still a good chance they get the eight seed. To think if they didn't go on that three game losing streak, if they maybe just lost two of those three games, I think there's no question they're in a top eight seed, which is just wild to me that they had a rough, rough stretch there in October. They did, but some of those were tough. I mean, you've got like a one point Stony Brook loss, right? And then yeah. You've got the, and the JMU loss where they led in the fourth quarter and then the, um, what was the other one? I'm looking now. I was looking at it earlier. Wow, I really jammed you. Beat them by eight on the road. It was at New Hampshire. Okay. So, like, the, all their losses are competitive. That's why I think that the win over uh, Towson on the road then the win over Maine, I think they, do, they deserve an eight seed. Yeah. Especially Moving if on. we're going to talk about, like, four Missouri Valley teams getting a freaking Or Monmouth getting a seed. If Monmouth gets a seed... What even league is Monmouth in? Whatever Kennesaw State is in. It's like, That's is it big, big South. Is it Big South? Yeah. Is it Monmouth in New Jersey? I don't understand. I need to sleep. That's not the Big South. Elon, they go to Towson. Who do you got? <laughs> New Jersey. The, the heart of the <laughs> Southland. Um, Elon, Towson. I'll take Towson. They're playing well. They're a playoff team. Elon, Elon is not. Um, I'm going to go, you know, the Fighting Phoenix have really been showing some signs of life here as of late. And Towson is going to take every sign of life they have and absolutely obliterate it from them. Towson needs the win to make the playoffs, and they'll get it this week. Albany, Stony Brook, 
This one can be seen on SNY and flowfootball.com, as well as every other game except for William and Mary at Richmond that cannot be seen on Flow Football. Um, who do you got? Albany, Stony Brook? This, this is a tough one. Because is Albany makes, really that good? This game makes me physically nauseous. Because, <laughs> because do you ever make your picks and then you look back and you're like, oh my God, what did I just do? Yeah, Because I've week. done that the last like three weeks. William and Mary, I picked them to win a football game. Maine. I picked Maine and William and Mary to win football games. Last week? No, this week. That's like Oh, oh. So oh. I might need this game. To, I might need this game to salvage a tie. <laughs> I might need this game to win. I don't know, man. I'm scared. Here's what I will say. Albany has more to play for. The undercuffler is great at throwing checkdowns that turn into 70-yard touchdowns. <laughs> That's the darn truth. Stony Brook, what the hell have you just done? You you were the, in playoff contention. They were at you five were and so three. good. They and were five you and your, three. You let Richmond beat the crap out of you. You let Towson beat the crap out of you. You Tyquel Fields threw for forty five yards last week against Delaware. He was five of eleven for forty five <laughs> yards and two picks. Did he get pulled? what happened to him? No, he played. <laughs> they ran for two hundred ninety six yards, but they couldn't throw the ball. I don't know what's up with Fields. I don't know if he's he's banged up or whatever, but he's not playing like he did earlier in the year. I've had this like mystique about Tyquel Fields because I don't watch Stony Brook, so I, <laughs> I watched him play one game. And I was probably like, from me saying one time he's a real dynamic football player, and the, the one J, and the one game you game we watched where he exactly he was great and, in that his, game. and his highlight reels at the beginning of the season, his fifty yard mm-hmm. touchdown to win it. Yeah, I mean, I just think Albany, what they've done, I think they're going to be so stoked for this game, which I guess is like technically a rival. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think In it state. means more. Yeah, I think it means more to Albany. And I think Stony Brook just, it's hard to pick them with the way they've played the last three weeks. I think they're okay. Right now, they're sort of, they've rolled over and they're in the fetal position. So I'm going to take Albany, the undercuffer, to win this game. Yeah, I'll take Albany. Okay, so here's the question. There's a lot of things going through my mind right now. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a window into my mind, what I'm thinking. I've already picked differently from you twice. So if both of those games hit, I win. So. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Or. This is going to be a nerve-wracking weekend. Do I go for three differences? If one of them loses, then I have a one to fall back on. But if I So then to win, you would have to get all three. No, to win, I'd only need to get two of the three. No, that would tie. Because you would go two and one, you only gain one game. Right? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> if, we, if we if I have a one game lead, yeah, and we and we have three differences, yeah, and two of them are right. Wait. I. I yes, I'm, you I'm, gain I'm, those two, right? You gain those two. Yeah. Which gives you a, a one game lead. But yeah. I get, but then I get the other game, so then it moves it back to a tie. Oh shit. Because I would have. Hypothetically, if we get the other three correct, I would have four and you would have five. So it'd still be a tie. So you'd have to get all three if you go for three. But this probably increases your tie chances. Well, actually, I have no idea if that's true. It doesn't. (laughs) Strategically, you should pick Albany. (laughs) Strategically, I should. My heart's telling me Stony Brook. But I've already gone too different, and it wouldn't make sense for me to pick against it again. Because that's just me then trying to pile it on. How do you know? 
You think William and Mary is going to go into Richmond and roll over? No way. <laughs> you think you think Maine's going to miss out on the playoffs because they're playing at New Hampshire? Forget about it. Uh, all right, I'm going to go Albany to be smart. Okay, so now I care way more about this William Mary and Maine <laughs> games than I expected him. Oh man, what did that it, suck? If I go, if I go one and one in those games, well, then I win. Then you win. I have to win both of them. Mm-hmm. So even no, if no, I no. pick, that doesn't sound right. No, I really is. feel like. Oh, you're so now you don't well. really have a chance at the top. No, I only have a chance at winning. Oh snap! Maybe I do want to go Stony Brook. But then you have to get all three to win. That increases your tie chances, I guess, right? Yeah. Am I going to be Pete Carroll and punt it with under two minutes left in overtime back to the opposition and play for the tie, or am I going to be? He ended up winning that game. Trust me, I know. <laughs> okay, locking it in. Oh, perfect. That's it for this with who? pick this week. All the Okay, so okay. you need Richmond and New Hampshire. If if William Mary or Maine wins, then I win. Is that correct? Yeah. Come on, boys. Come on. <laughs> Wait, is it? Yeah, because then would, I would we would split the games. So then I would maintain my one game lead. Man, math is hard. Come on, just focus up. Go get these. I'm gonna right. tweet. I'm gonna tweet <laughs> all their players and be like, "Lock in, guys. Finish the job. Finish the fight." Oh, I'm gonna study okay. the Hampshire film and tweet it out. All right. Now. Getting off of football, getting off of what happened at men's basketball tonight, we're at the 80-minute mark. Well, <laughs> 73. Oh we'll kind of roll through these last we'll couple be quick. ones just because not a lot's happened, except for men's soccer. A quick talk on that. Women's basketball. Bro, women's basketball almost beat Maryland. Yeah, they did, but then they blew away they beat, a lead. Yeah, and then they Must beat run um, in the training facility. Not a lot happened. And then they uh, – when did we record last week? Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah, and then they beat St. John's, which is a big win. But yeah, they did they did sort of falter down the stretch. I really like this team, though. I think they're in line for an at-large tough loss to Maryland, but good win over St. John's. They played yeah. Georgetown, I guess, when people are listening to this today on the road. So they've got some some more chances. I've I've seen a little bit of Virginia women's basketball, at least in terms of highlights and then stuff that we've we've covered at the Daily Progress. I think that's a very winnable game for JMU. Uh, they can't <laughs> Virginia can't really shoot the ball. Kind of like the so, men's team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Vermont game last night was wild. Really good stuff. But I think JMU's got a good chance of getting an at-large. I think they've done some impressive things. And um, you put in the outline that they haven't been fully healthy, which is a good point. Yeah, I, I was listening to the JMU sports blog guys yesterday. Me too. They're good, man. Yeah, when I was sitting in Respect. the Oculus at a World Trade Center waiting for Izzy to get off of work. And wow. they said um, – yeah, they, we haven't seen a healthy – like their top seven players healthy all season, which was mind-blowing to me because Jackie Benitez was injured for the first couple of games, and then Madison Green was out against St. John's. Yes. So we haven't seen kind of their healthy starting lineup with reserves healthy this season, and they've already been fantastic. Kiki Jefferson is a force. Kamaya is amazing as usual. Lexi's great. Caleb Cooper-Williams is pretty great. Madison Green's pretty great. So, I mean, this team's pretty great. I'm not sure <laughs> it was, but I loved it. Awesome. <laughs> if you've made it this far, hell yes. 
Congratulations to you. Did you I think it's were... good. We had a good start to the pod, though. I thought it was good. We had a really good start, and we're going to end it really well with men's soccer here. Okay. I'm actually very excited about this men's soccer run. I'm really upset about this draw they got. Yes, okay, that's fair. So the draw is challenging. Here's what I was thinking, though. When I saw their record, I was like, wait, they're 11-6-3. Like, I didn't realize that Jamie's record was that meh because of those, those opening losses to start the season. And then they had a lot of, like, weird CAA ties that I, like, forgot happened. Actually, I don't know if they had any CAA ties. But the, <laughs> they had some weird – Weird, weird stuff together. happened. It was non-conference stuff. Sorry, I was getting confused. So they had the Villanova loss. They did have weird CAA ties. They had a tie to Northeastern in double overtime that I forgot about. Then they had a Villanova loss. Like, that was a two-game stretch that I almost forgot happened. And then they had a Penn State tie. So it was some of those non-conference stuff. And then a William Mary loss where I was like, oh, wow, these kind of stuck out of nowhere. And I was almost ignoring them. But I don't know that you can. Um, yeah, so they play Campbell, for those that don't know. Uh, I guess they're ranked 24th, according to the Jamie website. But they get them at Centara Park. Or Centara Park, I forget how it's actually pronounced. Um, yeah, but they get them at home. And then the winner gets number one top-seeded UVA. Um, I guess the benefit for, for JMU is that they have gone to Charlottesville this year. They lost one nothing, but played a competitive match yeah. against the Cavaliers. So they would know what to expect. But for a team that made the Elite Eight last year, just won the CAA tournament, has been ranked for a good portion of the yeah. year, beat Wake Forest when they were number one, to get this draw is, is certainly difficult. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize their record was so met either. And I know Campbell, I think, has only lost two games. Yeah. But I mean – JMU's a ranked team that's been ranked almost the entire season. Took down Wake Forest, took down Cal State Fullerton, took at the time number one UVA to like the 75th minute as a, as a draw. Like, and tied a ranked Penn State team. Yeah, like this is a really, 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 really good team that had a really tough schedule and they came out on the right side of it all. Um, I think it's just a, a really weird draw that you're facing Campbell, a top team, and then you're facing UVA. And then it's also weird that Syracuse draw on the bottom of that left side of the bracket. Syracuse is a worse-ranked team, but is hosting. Which is weird to me. Yeah. Oh, ACC. ACC love. Uh, I don't know. Weird. All weird. That's what really got me questioning it all and then whatever. But I expect a run out of them. I expect them to beat Campbell. And I think if they can beat JMU – Wow, if they can beat UVA. If Jamie uh, beats itself, <laughs> but then it sends its B team to Charlottesville, yeah. <laughs> if Jamie can take down UVA, yeah, I, no, think I think there's a real run in them. But they have to get through UVA, which is going to be tough, tough, tough. Yeah, no, that's a good point. If they do beat Campbell and then they're finding a way to upstate Virginia, then you're in a point where you can start talking like national championship kind of run. Yeah, but right now it's can they make it out of that first weekend? I don't know. And what, what I will say if you're Virginia, I think, and I don't think Virginia is going to be like afraid or anything like that, but you've got to be a little bit like what? Like, yeah, I you, mean, if, if your first game could be against the JMU team that made the elite eight last year, already played you tight has a win over Wake. Like, I think that's something that, yeah, you're kind of sitting back and you're like, you're like, as UVA, you're like, this is a good team that we have to face. Like in essence, what you're saying is JMU and Campbell are the lowest of the low in the field. If they're facing UVA and like, they're not. I don't think either team is because Campbell's no, two losses. Good. And, like, yeah, they don't play in a tough division, but two losses is two losses. Like, if I'm UVA, I'm sitting back and I'm going, are these really the two worst teams in the field? I don't think they are. Come yeah. on, man. But and I think JMU is going to be fired up because I think oh, yeah. they, they tend to sort of take these things personally. They take so them as slights. 
They do. I think they'll they'll fire themselves up, and if they get a, if they get by Campbell, I think that Virginia game is going to be a dogfight. Yes, yes, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm for looking it. forward to it. Going to tune in and quick rundown of some other sports. Volleyball yes. wrapped up their season at 19 and seven, 13 and three in conference. That's when second the in the CAA um, conference tournament. The conference tournament starts up. Ooh, this Friday, Saturday, Friday, this yeah, Friday, Saturday, right? Yeah, JMU will face the highest seeded team remaining out of Elon, Northeastern Delaware, and Hofstra. Um, they are second in the CA, like I said, behind Towson, who is a scary sixteen and zero in conference, twenty six and two overall on a twenty match win streak. JMU has the history of being a great CA team, but is this the year Towson does something? We shall see. It Towson's looks like a very good. Yeah, it looks like a JMU Towson um, collision course in the CAA finals. That's what I would expect as well. You look at Hofstra, a three seed. JMU beat them twice this year, both in straight sets. They also beat Delaware this season once in straight sets, and then they actually had a surprising loss early in the year. But I think that JMU, the way they're playing to end the year, I'd be surprised if it's not JMU Towson in the finals. That's a match that Jamie will have a chance to win, which would be huge. Would send them to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they may even have an at-large bid at this point. What's their RPI? I don't know, but they got an at-large bid last season. I thought they didn't get an at-large. I thought they did. I'll check <laughs> while you check their RPI. I'll yes. check their 2018 schedule. Yeah, for those. Oh no, they us. they did not get that large. Well, we'll find this RPI. They're not. Housen's only at 41. JMU is at 56. I have no idea how large this tournament is. That's a higher than I thought they would be. That's pretty good. Is it a um, – do we think it's a 60-14 tournament? I have no idea. And I would say they're, would say they're <laughs> a fringe at large. Um, not that I know of. I know the golfs are done. Um, I feel like swimming and diving is – oh, swimming and diving, one of their athletes wrote The off-the-collar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, an off-the-collar thing. They also have a tournament this weekend, Liberty Invitational. But she wrote something. Liberty, uh, Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Liberty. Who wrote it? Mackenzie Grigg. Mackenzie Grigg. She wrote about like mental health at, at JMU and the stuff that she had gone through. I thought it was really courageous and great that she was open about her experience and I think it's capable of helping others. Also, she's from Reading, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from. Shout out to Mackenzie Grigg. Wow. Hell yeah. Cool. <laughs> she went to Muhlenberg High School. Was that so, your rival? No, they weren't our rival. They were just like another school. <laughs> Okay. In the area. But uh, <laughs> it's still a connection. So I was I thought it was a good read. Good job. I also love that they do those. Off the I car. do too. I wish they would do more of them. I think they do just enough. That's like, fair. Enough to keep you like, I want interested. more. Yeah, that's true. And they don't oversaturate. I would be interested in writing one. If people want to know about me. <laughs> At the daily progress. <laughs> yeah. Well, even just our JMU Sports News experience, we're willing to write an off the collar. Together, as one. We'll just, I'm going to write one sentence, and you're going to write one sentence, and then like one of those it. stories when like you're, yeah, like, like popcorn, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so... I won't. <laughs> I we will not communicate on these. So I'll just write like one sentence, skip a sentence, <laughs> then write another, and hope that it blends. <laughs> so Jamie, if that's something you're interested in, um, I guess you just know, DM. We'll try to get back to you. We're very busy people, and we run a, a pretty important sports news entity. Also, Jamie, sorry, 
freaking out right now. Also, Jamie Football retweeted us the other day. So they like, did. <laughs> we got a lot of followers. <laughs> huge deal, dude. I really want to know how many people make it to the end. I don't know this. that anyone is listening to this, are they? I hope I, they're not. We had 93 listens last week. <sighs> it's that Chase Kitty effect, dude. It, I don't know. I wish Anchor told you when you lost him. The it man's just, a sex icon, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I do love Cheese Kitty. He's my favorite person. Well, um, to wrap things up, <laughs> football is good. Men's basketball almost blew it. Women's basketball is really good. Volleyball has their hands full. So does men's soccer. Softball is jacked. And um, Oh, my God. Let's talk about that for, <laughs> for 15 minutes. Dude, they're lifting ridiculous amounts of, of weight. Madison Iokas has like a 30 inch vertical leap from just like standing and then she's squatting 300 pounds and bench pressing like 180 what the hell <laughs> they're uh, yoked dude so follow us, follow us on uh, Twitter at Jamie Sports News give us a like on Facebook just type in Jamie Sports News on the Facebook search bar check us out on the interwebs www.jmusportsnews.com and go ahead and check over Check out our Patreon that has no information or anything going on over there because we'll no one, at some point. no one subscribed to us. Once I think, I don't know if I have to create content to get subscribers or you get subscribers then make content. We'll see. But for Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.